Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. Well, this week we had a double header race at Michigan. So how many times have we had double headers this uh, season so far? I think like three or four times. So this is the fourth double header. Well, let's think back. I mean, we had this one. Darlington. Darlington. We had Charlotte. Saturday and Sunday at Darlington. Pocono no. was a double header. Also. No, we're talking Poc- double header like Saturday, oh, Sunday. Pocono. So Pocono. Pocono, this race. Darlington. No. We're going to have Dover. So actually, I think this is the second double header for Saturday and Sunday. I feel like we've had so many double races. I feel like races. we've had three. I cannot think of the other one right now. Anyway, so the point is, uh, yeah, we had a double header this weekend. and uh, Also called or known as the Kevin Harvick Show. Yeah, this was a, I mean, you we kind of already knew that Kevin Harvick was having a dominating season. Um, but he really put a stamp on it. I mean, really. So t- why don't you take us through... Uh, overall how the race went and who ended up winning and what the top five is. And then we can kind of talk through some of the storylines from this weekend's races. All right. Well, first of all, I think the race was a little shorter than usual. It was only like 152 laps, I think. I think it was actually 156. 56. Okay, four laps off. But so, um, yeah, it, it was... Which equaled what? 312, 312 miles. 312 miles. So it was a shorter race. So uh, Kevin Harvick pretty much flexed on all the drivers and just swept every stage. He was pretty dominant that race too and just absolutely like destroyed the field. There were occasionally some times when some drivers would get up there and challenge him, uh, but it just didn't work out and he ended up winning the race. I think the Penske drivers got up there and challenged the lead for some time, but again, he managed to make it in at the, I mean, like actually be at the front at the end of the stages. So, Johan, what do you think about hashtag Kevin Harvick stinks now? He's doing good, so, but he's still a hashtag and he's memorable since he's the first ever hashtag. And I got something else to say that was during the race. John Hunter Nemuch wreck, wrecks three times in a row. The (laughs) third time he was like, you know what, let's just go home. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just done. You know, it's funny is that the first like hundred laps there again, we talked about this 156 lap race, right? Mm -hmm. So nearly the first hundred laps, the only cautions were because of competition caution and then the two stages. Then all of a sudden, John Hunter Nemechek has a string of three straight cautions that he basically brings out himself. And then I feel like cautions tend to breed cautions. Because we all know when you watch this race, the cars can get kind of strung out. But whenever there's a restart, you have cars that may not have been up at front uh, now that had a chance to go down pit road, get fresh tires, get adjustments. And you have other guys that know, like, this is my chance to to move up very quickly. And so they're very aggressive in these restarts. And so after that, then you had essentially six more. Uh, you basically had six cautions and wrecks related uh, to drivers getting into each other um, and a lot of it due to what's going on in the restarts. And so, speaking of restarts, I thought that the um, the choose line uh, 
thing that they're doing at, at the restarts is actually pretty fun. It's fun. It's entertaining to watch these drivers come up to the uh, what they call the cone on the ground and have to decide which one they will have to take, which lane they want to take before they hit the uh, box. So that was pretty fun to see. Oh, kind of guess which who's going, you know, which lane, who's picking what lane. Yeah. And I think that that also kind of helps drivers like move up or if they want to move up, but they might not be in the proper lane. It kind of helps them gain gain positions or if they need to be in a specific lane that they were previously stuck in that was not running too well for them. They can move up into that like other lane and it'll work out better for them, which is interesting because some of the some of the drivers had they if they they stayed on like the outside line, they were going to be back for their spots than they were. But they felt that being on the in, the outside lane was going to give them more advantage. And it also makes sure that the drivers are very aware compared to how they usually because they could just be staying off, staring off into the distance. But then, boom, the choose line shows up and then they might accidentally hit the box and you go all the way to the back. So let me just quickly describe for those that are listening what we're talking about. So essentially in the past and traditional racing, uh, once you um, come to the green, you know, they go through and do cautions. The cars line up, you know, first, second, third, fourth, and basically it, it kind of zigzags. You have the you usually have the leader who will pick either the inside lane or the outside lane. And then from that point on, everybody just lines up. What NASCAR did at the Bristol All-Star Race a few weeks ago is they instituted this thing called the Choose Lane. And essentially they painted a box and an arrow in front of like once you pass the uh, the checkered flag or the green start line, once you pass that, there was this arrow and then a box. And essentially, as you're driving, you can choose. Do you want to be on the inside lane or the outside lane? So everybody lines up. You go up. You you pass the uh, the start finish line. That's what I was trying to say earlier. You pass the start finish line. Then you have this choose box area and you can go. If you want to stay on the inside, you go left. If you want to go on the outside to restart, you go right. Well, the, one of the challenges with it is that the drivers have said it's actually really hard to see the uh, mark on the ground once they pass the start finish line. And so what NASCAR tried to do is they literally put cones like orange cones in the fence to try to alert the driver as they're driving up. But sometimes they see it and they don't because it comes up really quickly. And and then as Giovanni was saying, and, and I think Karen, you said the same thing that um, – Essentially, if a driver wants to go on the outside lane, for example, because that's the lane that is moving and everybody kind of lines up there, you're going to want to be in that outside lane. And so a lot of times drivers will start to stack up there and then all of a sudden you have a driver that may have normally started in fifth or sixth place, have an opportunity to move to the front row, albeit on the inside lane because everyone's choosing the the uh, outside lane. So the point is you you have drivers that will kind of shuffle places right at the uh, the restart, uh, right before the, the restart of a race at, at the uh, start finish line. So it is pretty interesting to watch on TV because one, you have to be alert. It comes up very quick. Some of the drivers have missed it. And if you do miss it, one of the penalties is you have to go back to the end of the, the, the start of the lane or the start of the um, 
the line. The choose lane has been pretty interesting to see the drivers trying to figure out where they want to line up. And like we said, we got excited because there are drivers that like might have been in top five, but they hadn't been up front. And all of a sudden, if you can get a few cars to hook up and basically go nose to tail, they can push each other. So even though the outside lane is the preferred lane, we all know with NASCAR, if you have two or three cars back to back pushing, you're going to get a lot more momentum and a lot more speed. And you can actually pass in, a, in, in normally a place that might be hard to do when you're by yourself. So that that was kind of interesting. And I think there was one scenario where I keep looking at Sebastian, thinking of Kyle Busch. I think he was on the outside or inside lane, but he had another Joe Gibbs driver behind him that helped push his car to the front. Yeah, that was Denny Hamlin. Yeah. So I think that, that does definitely make it interesting. And uh, one more thing about the choose rule. It will actually be here for the rest of the season, except for road courses and super speedways. Why don't you take us through our top five and then we can talk our race picks. So we mentioned before Kevin Harvick won the race. Brad Keselowski got second and third was Martin Truex Jr. Ryan Blaney was fourth. And then my man, Kyle Busch, gets a top five. Good he, job, man. He Good was job. edging in front of Denny Hamlin. Kyle Busch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looks like he might be starting to wake up. Maybe. We'll see what happens in the next race. So why don't we go around uh, the table and talk through our race picks. Let's start with uh, this week's winner, Johan, where he chose hashtag Kevin Harvick stinks. Why don't you talk about your man and how he did? Again, he dominated. Well, I chose him because I know he's having a better season than Hamlin. Than Hamlin? Well, not really. Um, I meant that he's having a better season than tons of drivers. I think he has he has a slight advantage than to win the championship than Denny Hamlin if it's those two. And I think they Harvick has a better chance. And I chose him because he's really good at Michigan, and I think he can win the championship this season. So that's why I chose him. Well, you chose correct, sir. He won the race. Mom, how'd you do? You did a little better this time. We were counting on a 20th place. Well, after a three-week slump, I finally got some points. Brad Keselowski came in second. I thought he was really close to getting first, but that's okay. I got points. And uh, had I picked Ryan Blaney, he still finished in the top five, too. But I got points this week. Well, I was hoping that uh, Danny Hamlin was going to do a little better than than six. Um, but you know what? It was the top ten. And so I was pretty happy about that. Uh, I thought at one point he had a chance to get up there and and possibly lead. In fact, if someone could look on the stats, did he lead any laps in the Saturday race? Uh, I'm not sure if he did or not. He led three times 10 laps. So he was up there, but he just couldn't bring it home for me. But anyway, it was not bad. It wasn't bad. And uh Joey Logano actually got me some points. He got eighth place, and I'm very happy about that. So I got another point. That was pretty good. I, you know, I kind of tried to uh, joke around with you about being a homer and picking your guy, but he did well. He did well. And Michigan actually is a, a strong track for him. So my man, Eric Amarola, has been getting top tens a lot this season, but he finally didn't get a top 10, which isn't good for me. 16th place means no points. Yeah, I mean, he broke his slump, or not slump, he broke his streak. He had, I think, what, 10 or 11 top 10s in a row, 
It was almost like a guarantee. He was running really good. And yeah, he had the 16th place finish, which again, it's not the end of the world. It's top 20, but still, after having such a hot run, was this the first time you had picked Eric Amarola? I think so. I don't know, man. You better be careful with that pick. Eric Amarola is going downhill this season now. Uh, We'll talk about the total standings in a second because we had another race that happened on Sunday. And so this was the Consumer Energy's 312. Who wants to take us through what happened in the race and then the top five? Well, stage one went to Clint Boyer. Yeah, my man Clint Boyer was up there flexing some muscle. Now, mind you, he did start on the outside pole, uh, but he did stay up there. And he actually led, I think, about 43 laps. So I was feeling pretty good thinking maybe, maybe this is the race. But no, alas, it was not. That was just enough time to give another driver time to get up there. So who ended up winning stage two, Johan? Hashtag Kevin Harvick stinks. Another stage win. And with that, he also took home the win. The dub. He was dominant this week. And we just talked about this before the show started. The fact that he literally won every stage except for the one that Clint Boyer won. He literally won them all. And he and and the most amazing thing about the Sunday race was because he won on Saturday, they flipped the starting lineup and he ended up starting where? 20th. 20th. And he still drove up and he ended up winning stage two and stage three. So, yeah, he had a super dominant race. Now, that wasn't the only thing of note that happened in the race. No, I actually thought that there was a chance that Brad Kozlowski or Ryan Blaney were going to win this race. Not just because you picked Brad. Not just because I picked Brad, but they were doing really good. They were both up there. They were being very competitive against uh, Kevin Harvick. So I was like, okay, well, I said he wasn't going to win both of them, but he would win one. So I was sure that Brad Kozlowski was going to win this race. And I actually thought it was really funny as we were watching it. You're like, literally, really? Seriously, Ryan Blaney, this week you start to dominate again and you hadn't picked him. Uh, but it actually turned out to not be the worst thing in the world because they had some trouble. Yeah, unfortunately, they wrecked. Apparently, from what we saw, Brad Keselowski was fighting for the lead and he lost control. He like lost the air on he his got car. Loose. He got loose and he took uh, his teammate Ryan Blaney out. So needless to say, I was extremely devastated. Because there went my pick and my favorite driver smashed into the wall. In the same the same move. Man, that's, so. And that's it stinks because they're mom. teammates, yeah. you know? And I'm just like And they Ugh. were by themselves too. Yes, they that were was by the crazy themselves. Thing. Brad was I mean, I don't know if it was coming out of turn uh four, uh, but yeah, it was it was crazy to see that kind of play out. It was just shocking. Like it was it looked like okay, they're they're being competitive, they're racing, you know, near each other, and then all of a sudden you see Brad, he I guess carried more speed than he thought and his the the rear end of his car kind of did a little fishtail and he lost it and it just and when he went to go collect it you know his his teammate was there and he ended up taking out his teammate who was leading at the time which is crazy that the one and two cars right there and then took each other out well i think um this is what happened brad went too low he hit the apron clipped the apron went up into blaney and spun out yeah, that's exactly what happened. But that's the thing. And it was it was frustrating, like mom was saying that, you know, here they go one, two, and they have to take each other. They're teammates. They're running one, two. Brad went a little too aggressive. And I will say I'll give him a lot of credit. 
because when they did the interview, he was completely dejected. I mean, think about it. He just took out his own teammates. So not only took out his car, but the other guys that work on the other car. So he feels horrible for Team Penske. Well, and they clearly had very, they both had strong cars. And they they had the chance, you know, to possibly win. So yeah, he felt really, really bad for what happened. And he felt really bad for Blaney, especially because he's his teammate. And you remember why he was, they were saying he was probably being a little bit more aggressive because he really, really wanted to win this race. Do you remember? Because he's from Michigan. Yeah. It's his home track. And nobody, which I think is fascinating, nobody from Michigan, this was born Michigan, has ever won that race. So it would have been truly a homecoming for him to do. And so he got a little too aggressive and ended up taking two cars out. So that was a little frustrating. Another um, Michigan-born driver that was doing really good was Eric Jones. In fact, him and a couple other drivers like Christopher Bell and Bubba Wallace were doing especially good throughout these two races. Bubba Wallace, he got a top 10 in the first race. And then Christopher Bell, I mean, he was doing really well in the second race until a flat tire took him out on lap 105. Yeah, at one point, I think Christopher Bell was running second, I think, you know, and and it wasn't just a, a, you know, green flag kind of, you know, pit stop thing. I think he literally was up there and he drove up and, and had a faster car than anyone else that was out there. Now, it's funny that you mentioned those three drivers. What else is significant about what was going on this weekend with those three drivers in particular? They've been having um, new deals being reported on. Eric Jones is leaving Joe Gibbs Racing, and Christopher Bell is, I think, going to the 20 car because of the Levine family racing shutting down. Yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting. That's late, late breaking news is that the Levine family is actually, um, they're closing up shop. They, they, they can't continue forward. So Christopher Bell was out of a, out of a job, out of a ride. And then, uh, before we came on to do the podcast today, we found out that Christopher Bell will in fact be driving the number 20 going forward next year. So he'll be making a return to Joe Gibbs racing. So he's got his situations. Uh, also there's talks about, uh, Bubba Wallace possibly leaving, uh, Richard Petty racing and going to another car. Yeah, we were we were talking a little bit about that yesterday. Like, why would Bubba Wallace leave a, a, an apparent good spot with um, with uh, Richard Petty Racing? And as much as we love Richard Petty Racing because of who it is, it's it's the king, right? It's his team. The reality is that team hasn't been running top five, top ten year in and year out. And so, who was the other driver? Oh, that's right, because we were like, who would? Why would you leave? Because we then, saw the same thing, yeah, with um, Eric Armarola. Yeah. When he ran, when with he ran Richard with Petty. Richard Petty, he was he average, and then when he went over to Stuart Haas, I mean, he look. was in a much he's now in much better equipment, and he's obviously like this season. You see, he's been you know ringing in top tens week after week. Yeah. So uh, um, again, no slight against Richard Petty Motorsports. I think you know he is the king, and he's always going to have a spot strong sponsors. Um, you know, and hopefully they'll get the program uh, headed in the right direction. And, and in fact, they started, you know, Sebastian said that, you know, he Bubba Wallace was running really well this weekend. And and at one point was run. I think he finished uh, top 10 in the first race. And uh, where did he finish in this race? Where did Bubba Wallace finish in this race? Johan? Bubba Wallace finished in 21st. Did it say do you guys remember if he had any uh, was there a wreck or was any trouble with him last uh, in the second race? No, it's just driving as usual well uh why don't you take us through the top five so kevin harvick this guy you know where he finished first then dominating denny hamlin got second he's another he showed dominating up dominating driver 
That was a tight finish with Harvick and Hamlin. Once again, Truex gets third. This guy is really doing well. My man Kyle Busch, fourth. This is back-to-back top fives. This has never happened for Kyle Busch this season. So so maybe he's he's starting to wake up. It may be a sign of good things. Now, is come. he in the playoffs right now as it stands? Yeah, he is. So if nobody else wins that hasn't won already, Kyle Busch would be in the playoffs. Yeah. So either that or if he just wins, he's in. Yeah. So uh, the fact that he's gotten back-to-back top fives, that's a really strong sign that he's starting to get that program turned around. And lastly, Joey Logano is a fifth-place finish. Look at your man, Joey. It followed up a top 10 with a solid top Let's five. Let's go, dude. You know, he's another one that was really strong early season. It hasn't done much since, but uh, maybe he's going to start to put it together as we get closer to the playoffs. Hopefully. Well, again, I think those Penske cars were, they were um, strong this weekend. We saw they finished in the first race, top 10, all three of them. And then I think they could have all had top 10 finishes again, had the accident not happened with um, I think Keselowski might have actually been able to win, maybe even Blaney. Yeah, that would have been been really interesting. It'd well, been even the Penske even the broadcasters. I think it was Steve Letard who said that it probably it could have possibly been a different finish had Keselowski and Blaney not wrecked out. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. They they really were kind of starting to flex their muscle early in that race, and of course, you know, we we don't know what's gonna ha- we, we, what could have happened, but. There you go. All right. So let's talk. Let's go racing family race picks. Johan, you had a great weekend. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You had a really, really good weekend. I chose Kevin Harvick because he's dominating this season. He's won at Michigan, I think. Um, If he has, he's good at Michigan. I chose him. So I know he was going to win. Both of the races. You, so you knew ch- he was going to win both races? Yes, he's Kevin Harvick. Well, you know what? I can't argue with that because he's actually won a lot lately. He's won six races this season, and he's probably dominating. Hasn't he won like three years in a row or four years in a row? Yeah, I think something like that. And something else, Kevin Harvick gave me six points today. Yeah, you had the best of us all. You have opened up your lead. but. You know what? How did mom do? I did terrible because clearly I picked Brad Kozolowski and he finished dead last. So I got zero points again. Well, at least you won at being last. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? That's 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 uh, Geo trying to throw some shade at his mom. Well, again, we talked about it. Denny Hamlin finished second. So I ended up getting another top five. So that was that was very helpful. Sebastian, looks like your man kind of redeemed himself in the second race. Yeah, he got me a point. At least the point's better than nothing. So I don't think I'm jinxing this guy. And uh, Joey actually got me two points. That means this weekend I got three. So let's uh, skip down to the standings. Who's leading and starting to pull away? Me. Yes, sir. The youngest of the family, Johan. Uh, looks like you got 17 points. Uh, I am in second, but starting to to fade, it almost feels. And I felt like I had a really good two weeks. You know, I had picked Danny Hamlin. He did pretty solid, but literally you've like doubled the gap. Johan, the last uh, six weeks has had a top five finisher or a winner. Wow. So you that's why he's taking streak. off. You are on a hot streak and, and you're going to get to pick first again. So. 
you know, we'll see who you go with. Um, you know, Karen, you you were our leader the first few weeks. You started to fade just a little bit. You're not too far off the pace, but you, you're the only other double digit. And then I have to say, Gio, I am very impressed by you, my friend. The fact that you started the season, I think it was the first two or three races. Three in a row. Three in a row with goose eggs. Nothing. And now you've moved into fourth place. And you're only one point behind your mom, who was leading. And you have nine. And then Seabass, dude, what's up, man? You're falling behind here. You got eight. My picks haven't been doing good. But Eric Armarola getting me one point has put me back on track. I'm ready to get even more and pass both mom and Gio in the same race. All right. Well, let's put your money where your mouth is. Let's talk about next week. Where are we going, Sebastian? The For the first time ever, Daytona is using its road course for a NASCAR race. That's pretty exciting. Uh, I was a little nervous about it because, again, they've never done it. But I think that's what makes it exciting. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I think that's pretty cool. I'm excited because I know that they do the Rolex 24 at the beginning of the season. Uh And they use a road course for that. So I'm very excited to go see that. I believe it's like a slightly more modified version of the Rolex. I'm not sure, though. It's just going to be it's going to be crazy to see these drivers go. Well, speaking of where we're going, we're actually going to the Daytona road course. Yeah. So the Let's Go Racing family will actually be in attendance at the race. It'll be our first race since the beginning uh, speed weeks this year. It Probably a lot later than we thought. Uh, Obviously, with COVID, things have all changed for, you know, attending races. Uh, But we are going to go ourselves. We actually, I think we mentioned this earlier before, because of some of the physical distancing that the track is taking, the fact that everyone's required to wear masks and things like that. We said, you know, what? if we're going to go to a race, I think this might be the one to go to. And it is one of the top facilities now that they've gone through their refurbishment that they did about five years ago. It is, you know. Barna, one of the nicest uh, NASCAR tracks to go watch a race with all the facilities and the way that the track is laid out. So, yeah, it's beautiful for fans. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful track. So we're super excited to go check that out this week. And we're going to try to do some video. So we may actually upload our first Let's Go Racing family video to YouTube. And of course, we're planning to record our podcast that Sunday right after the race. As soon as the race is done. We'll head back to the hotel, and we're actually going to record our podcast, so it'll be fresh, and uh, we'll have that one out probably a little earlier next week. So super excited to to be able to watch some history and to watch it in person. Uh, actually, on one of the older NASCAR games, NASCAR uh, 06 Total Team Control, there was actually a secret racetrack that you could uh, purchase with in-game points if you get a certain amount of points which was called the Daytona Road Course and it's actually really cool because I remember racing on it I um I actually have it in the game and it's really cool and did it look similar to the way that this one's laid out somewhat somewhat similar it's like it was considered a fantasy track because it did go through literally through through the infield and I remember there's one part where you're driving through dirt uh, and there's railing, which has RVs and fans right behind it. But it was, it is a little bit similar to this one. So it is kind of cool to see something that was uh, used in an older game back then now as a real truck. So, yeah. So I think there's one positive thing that's come with all the changes because of COVID that we got to see that we weren't anticipating. 
which is a road course event at Daytona. And we'll see in the future, once things get back to normal, whether or not they'll bring it back. I think a lot will have to do with how successful this this race is going to be. I think the most interesting thing to think about is the fact that Kevin Harvick himself has said he would be nervous following himself going into turn one because he literally has no idea where he's going. Like, I don't think anybody does. And that's the thing. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be leading this, the, the, the team, the, the cars down into those first few turns because you just don't know where the turns are. It's going to take time because again, like all of the other tracks that we've been at recently and for the rest of the season, no practice, no qualify. Oh man, they're not going to have any experience. Literally, they're turning the cars on and they're going. Well, the only driver who's going to actually have experience is Kyle Busch because he drove the Rolex 24 this year. Well, that's true. That's true. So he'll be the closest one. But still, you just don't know. So with that said, let's go do our race picks for this week. And because Johan has a commanding lead, you get to pick first. Kevin Harvick. Of course, you're going to look Kevin Harvick route. No surprise there. All right. I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. Because I he practically would have won the race in Charlotte when they did their first road course. But he got in a little bit of a hookup with uh, somebody's Don't favorite speak driver. Of that. Yeah, we won't speak of that. But he actually did pretty well. So that's going to be my pick. Martin Truex Jr. I'm going with Blaney because he actually won that race. No! And he's also really good at Daytona. Dang it! Well, we only won because they wrecked. Well, that's a great pick. It is. I mean, it is. It is a great pick. And yes, he won because they wrecked. However, he was in third. So clearly he was doing well at the Roval. So he's good at the road course. He won. And he's great at the speed, uh, the super speedways. Well, we ain't going to win. All right, yo, uh, Giovanni, who are you picking? You get next because you're in fourth now. You know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Joey again. That's another strong pick. That's a, yeah, that's a good one, Gio. I'm not gonna lie to you. He was actually the other guy I was thinking about. It was either Martin Tricks Jr. or Joey, believe it or not. I know I'm probably gonna get burned for not picking uh, another driver, but you know, we'll see. I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott. One, he won the second um Charlotte Rover race, and two, he's really good at Daytona. I mean We've talked about how much he loves to block everybody, so he I'm putting my money on Elliot. He won the 2017 duel number one by blocking everybody. He's a good blocker. He'll block drivers, but won't. But then takes out Joey Logano. That was not on purpose. It was on purpose. Well, this one's going to be a fun one because I think these are all great picks for Sunday's race. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, this will be exciting. And now it's Tony's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Giovanni, you're up this week. Who am I connecting to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? This week, you're going to have to connect Pedro Pascal, otherwise known as... The Mandalorian. Wow. The Mandalorian. You know, it might have been easier had you just picked the child or baby Yoda because this one wasn't that easy. Uh, Pedro Pascal is a Chilean American actor. He's born in Santiago, Chile, and he's been active in Hollywood, at least from my research, since the late 90s. And it's actually interesting, I as I was kind of looking through it, trying to see how I connected him. Your mom would appreciate this. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV 
as well as Law and Order. And Sebastian actually had pointed out he was in Game of Thrones. But of course, we know him as the Mandalorian. And that, of course, is the eight episode show on Disney Plus. It's the first ever live action Star Wars TV franchise. We were super excited to watch it this year and really excited for whenever season two is going to come out. Well, I tried to think, like, how am I going to connect in the NASCAR? Well, I thought, let me look at the show. Well, there is another star that's been in some movies that we've talked about before. Uh, she's a former MMA star, which is mixed martial arts. And was a leading star in the spy thriller Haywire from 2011. So she was the leading actor in that movie. You know who directed that movie? Steven Soderbergh. And he directed the 2017 NASCAR-based movie, Logan Lucky. And that is how I connect Pedro Pascal to NASCAR and less than six degrees of separation. Three degrees, very nice. I already know who I'm doing next week. You do? Yeah, I know. You've known this since uh, we talked about it last. But don't share it now. And that actress that you connected Pedro Pascal to Steven Soderbergh was Gina Carano. I didn't even say her name. Yeah, Gina Carano. Yes. One of my favorite actresses in all of Hollywood. She was in the Fast and Furious, Fast and Six. Furious franchise, yes. Well, really, the only time we've seen Logan Luckily was when my dad was watching. I saw the NASCAR scene, and I was like, I got to look at that. I love NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, you're still a little too young to watch that movie. But yes, that is a big NASCAR film. And there's still a lot of active drivers that were in that film. And and again, the cool thing, and we've talked about Logan Lucky before, was that some of the drivers that were in that film didn't even play themselves. They actually played roles in the movie, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, Steven Soderbergh is also known as the director for um, the... Uh, Oceans trilogy. Yeah, the Oceans trilogy. Oceans 11, Oceans 12, Ocean 13. So, and Logan Lucky kind of has a similar feel to it. So I thought it was uh, pretty cool. Some fun facts about Pedro Pascal. A couple projects he's been in aside from The Mandalorian. We mentioned Game of Thrones. He is also in the Kingsman movie, Kingsman the Golden Circle. And he will be appearing in the upcoming Wonder Woman 1984 whenever that comes out due to COVID-19. Yeah, I think it, I think they said next year, right? I, it's still, I think it's still up for this year, December or November. Of of, of 2020? Yeah. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. I, that was one of the movies we were looking forward to seeing this year. So yeah, it would be very cool. Well, as we go to wrap up uh, this week's episode, we're going to talk through our Racing Through Life segment. And the fact of the matter is we're getting close to the end of summer, boys. Uh, now, if you are a re- reoccurring listener to our show, you'll know that our boys actually got two bonus weeks of summer. So this isn't the beginning of school for you. Although a lot of folks that live around our area have already started school and I think around the country. And so you guys got two more weeks. So what are you looking forward to doing in your last two weeks of summer? I feel like I'm going to break out in song. Well, my usual playing with my NASCAR cards and watching NASCAR races on YouTube. (laughs) Sounds pretty. That sounds about right for you. I plan on launching my first YouTube channel, Movie Master 29, where I talk about movies and theories and my own original ideas on them. And I'm also planning on watching some movies that I've had on a list that I want to watch. That's pretty cool. Geo? 
I think I'm gonna just chill and uh, uh, hang out with my friends. I'm gonna work on some videos that I need to upload, and I'm also gonna be grinding a lot on Bed Wars, getting better at PvP and Minecraft. Okay, sounds kind of complicated, but I get it. You're gonna have fun playing Minecraft, essentially. Yep. Okay. Mom, what about you? You got two more weeks of summer, and then we roll right into school. I don't have summer break. <laughs> I have to work. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And for me, the same kind of deal. You know, it's there. We really didn't take much of a summer vacation. We did have a little break a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we were talking about possibly going to the beach, and that may still be on the horizon, uh, but it won't be until um, actually after school starts for us. So. We did go to the beach this weekend. Oh, yeah, that was uh, true. We went Saturday afternoon. Time. and was the first time since first, all of 2020, right? First time, we yeah. I don't beach. think we've been... I don't even know we went to the beach last year. That's but, crazy. Yeah. No, we did. We went last year, but... I don't know. No, I, we think don't we, I think we went to the beach this year, but we went in Tampa, but it was a while back this year, before quarantine. No, it, we, didn't, we didn't go this year because we don't go to the beach until summertime here. And then COVID came about. So, yeah. yeah, we haven't been to the beach this year, but we went and it was nice. Um, there were less people than I expected at the beach. So I was happy with that. We were easy. It was easy for us to do our physical distancing. Exactly. Because I've been very concerned about going to the beach because I feel like everything I pictures that I see, um, it's really busy because everybody wants to go to the beach. And now, fortunately, like the, the section where we were at, there weren't a lot. You could still you could see crowds further down. But where we were uh, because of where we were located. It was actually pretty empty, which was nice. Yeah. So uh, I think maybe we'll get a couple more beach days in and, uh, you know, but I don't think we'll do it before the uh, end of summer for us. So, yeah, so we we have summer that's coming to a wrap, but hoping that uh, we get to get back to normal a little bit more as we get into the fall. One thing to say, if you have any family members and you want to, like, go to the beach on a day when it's like not that crowded, um, and you want to go with your family members, um, if you have, like, boomers in your family, don't take them or or they're going to have a high chance of getting the coronavirus. That's uh, that's uh, important. So we just we want to another way of saying it is we want to be careful with our elderly population. But thank you, Johan, for breaking it down for us today. And with that, Giovanni, why don't you take us out? Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on in. Leave a like, subscribe, and download our podcast episodes so you can listen to them whenever you want, wherever you want. Let's go racing family. Out. <laughs>